0: You're listening to Real Talks: Dominate Your Real Estate Business, a podcast for realtors. Every week, your host Charlie Bengals sits down with experts in the real estate industry to discuss ways to become a more successful business owner. Uh, good morning. I would like to welcome our special guest, Coach Amy Lassen. Welcome back to the show, Amy.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, Charlie.
0: Uh, always good to see you. So as as I was uh, talking to Jerusalem about at the top of the show, we're already in, in, in July, and it's been such a strange year. I feel like parts of the year it feels like went by at warp speed, and there were other parts of the year that you felt like you were trying to walk through thick molasses just to get to a Friday. Yeah. Um, that said, I think that we've got a pretty good topic for our uh, audience today. We're going to be talking about... Um, how do you spend your time what are your thoughts on kind of an intro to that
1: this is this is the never-ending challenge and I and I don't want that to sound like such a, a a cheesy way to label it that you tune me out we all say oh Charlie you and I as business coaches what how often would you say somebody says man managing my time number one thing managing my time
0: every I, week we hear that
1: Right. We talk, you know, right. I need to be more organized, any more leads. Uh, there's lots of, of top needs around skill and outcome. But I think so, so, so many agents say I need to manage my time better. And I had someone say once, you can't really, I, what is the term? I get, I think you can manage your time better, mm-hmm. but you don't make more time. And this is something that I've tried to say to some of my people who continue to be squirrely month after year. Um, I say, Everybody gets 24 hours, right? What is the most productive CEO in the world doing that you aren't, right? Well, first of all, they're not doing everything. (laughs) They're delegating better, um, focusing on their top skills. But uh, Charlie, you and I discussed this and came up with a way of categorizing the types of time there are in real estate. And I hope this is helpful for everyone.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. So we hear about this all the time and, well, Before I pontificate, let's just get right into it. So three ways to spend your time. Managing what is, mm-hmm. making things better, mm-hmm. or predicting the future. So talk to us about
1: managing what is. I think this is where most agents spend their time. And and, and when you do that and there is no making things better, the, the amount of time spent managing what is, is necessarily vast. Uh, Think of, you know, oh my good, my deal's falling apart. Oh my goodness. My Mm -hmm. buyer didn't know. Oh, my seller's so upset. Oh dear. The other agent didn't realize, you know, something happened. Something was dropped. Something was confusing most often. And I don't want to sound overly critical or facetious. Most of us don't take the responsibility that we could for saying, wow, I could have managed that better. Yeah. I could have educated my client in advance. I could have anticipated this better. I could have made it so that the world's not on fire. And Charlie, you and I have talked before about how a lot of us are proud of our firefighting ability. Yes. Oh, the deal's on fire and I saved it, right? It feels good to feel like you're a hero. Uh, The problem is creating the problem that makes you the hero better than it just go predictably smoothly. Yeah, the clients don't want a hero. They don't want
0: a firefighter.
1: They don't want a fire. They might, but they don't know that the alternative is to just not have had a fire, right? Right. So managing what is is where most agents spend their time and they fail to recognize that if they shifted some of that focus and for a while, if you're very disorganized, for a while, you're going to have to work more, okay? You're going to have to really invest because you can't stop fighting the fire to start managing the forest in advance. You're going to have to do both for a while. But the concept of making things better is improving your systems and improving your skills, right? That's systems and people, and you're one of the people on your team in your business. So that's what I think most of us manage the deals, manage the stuff that's in front of us. I've had agents say this to me, Amy, I do better when I'm busy. Man, you know, I'm finally, you know, I've got eight under, and I'm just fighting to keep them alive, and I'm finally doing it. And then when those go away, they wake up relatively unemployed. They're like, huh what should I do today? I know I should do my lead gen and they don't know what to do. Right? right? So if we could come up with um, a percentage, let's say, right, how much time should you spend every single week making things better? Meaning your business, your processes, your service model and your skill. And then that would reduce the need to manage what is.
0: So managing. So we've, we've gone over managing what is get, get into more detail about
1: making things better. The thing of it is I've compared running a real estate business to running a bakery because I think it's a simple analogy that helps a lot of us got into real estate thinking. It's fun. I like people. I like houses. I'm a good driver. What more do you need? A lot, right? Those of you who have been in the business a while know that there's way more to it than that. Running a real estate business is running a business. So I compare it to, opening up a bakery, running a bakery, because this is what I see most agents do. They get their license and they run around and they're encouraged, maybe by their managing broker Mm -hmm. to offer to sell donuts to anyone who will listen. Do you like donuts? Do you like donuts? Do you like donuts? Do you like donuts? And if you ever get anyone to say yes, you'll go figure out how to make donuts. You don't actually have any donuts. You don't even have a bakery, right? You'll just go figure out how to make donuts if anybody says yes. I wish we could hear our audience laughing right now because I know that resonates because I've told that analogy before. This is the challenge for most of us is that we don't actually have a bakery. We don't have goods on the shelf. We don't have a standard way of creating these wonderful goods. We're just willing to wing it if anybody ever asked for us to do so in the moment. So making things better means creating repeatable processes for your buyer process. And we've talked about this. We've shared this on the allegianceway.com. If you're saying, holy guacamole, I don't know where to begin. What is she talking about? Go to the allegianceway.com and look up all the resources for buyer process and listing process. But to have a step-by-step process that educates your buyers before they ever get in the car or actively Mm -hmm. looking start negotiating in this competitive market. So have that in place, have a selling process in place, a listing process in place, have your marketing all delineated and all of these will evolve over time. You don't get to set it and forget it and you don't in any other business either. So don't feel sorry for yourself that this is going to be ongoing work because it's just the way it is. And in the meantime, growing your skill, embracing the new setting aside that time to make you better. Is that what you meant, Charlie?
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm actually taking some notes here so, so we can do a wrap-up in a few minutes. Um, so making things better, having processes, developing them. And the processes, it this is not a, a one and done, right? They're constantly evolving. When you have a situation that you think that you can improve, you're gonna go back to the process, you're gonna add to it, right? So th- this is th- this will never be done, right? These are all living documents, these yeah. you know, these processes and these checklists. Um, Growing your skills. You know, I like the idea of carving out time every week to read a book, to watch a video, right, to, you know, execute on a new idea that maybe you've had for a year and you just haven't had time to do it. Um, You know, I think that that's, you know, that's a challenge for um, all of us. Talk to me about predicting the future
1: so what does what is left and i wish charlie i wish this was like a live seminar where we could get feedback from the audience because i would love to hear whether or not these are true these three crazy ways i found of labeling these predicting the future is lead gen right when you are in communication when you are marketing your service model and in communication with people about their real estate needs consistently over time you are creating a pipeline, you are predicting a future where you are busy, and you have plenty of business to to take action on. So that's what I call predicting the future is your marketing and lead generation.
0: I like it. So where does business planning come in? Where does goal setting come in?
1: Well, to me, that's making things better. And, and And the little parenthetical definition of making things better is CEO time right? That CEO time, that stepping out of the doing to be the overseer of your business. It's challenging for those of us who are, um, I I heard the term solopreneur. I don't know how, how common that term is, but when you're, when you're it, right, you know, you're the chief cook and bottle washer, you, you run the business and you own the business. Um, Most of us are working in it, right? We're on the front lines. We're doing the work Um, and we rarely step back. And when we do, it either feels so foreign we're not productive with that time or we start to have a little bit of panic that we're wasting our time. Right. Right. Oh, I'm dreaming. I'm writing stuff down. I'm trying to, I'm editing my checklist. This is pointless, right? I should be on the phones. Um, so the, the truth is that CEO time, if we could talk about some pe- percentages um, and I'm wondering Charlie, if I could do it off the top of my head because I didn't see the ideas that I came up with. I think we can. So how much time should you spend, being the overseer, being the visionary, being the one to either craft the systems or guide the crafting of them. Because over time, once you've gotten quality support, you have a full-time assistant helping you maintain your processes. They can be a part of helping you make them better. I think future pacing now to those who are not solopreneurs or who hope to hire I think one of the big mistakes of newer agents or agents who are new to hiring is they hope that they can just hire somebody who's already naturally organized and will figure out how to run their business for them, not with Mm, them. Right. And it's absolutely vital, not that you know every single moving part, like you don't have to know the software better than your assistant, right? You don't have to be better at checklist than your assistant. Uh, By nature, you're a better visionary and you're a better salesperson than you are an organizer. But you need to understand the moving parts of your own business. You need to understand your own product. Yep. in order to impart it to your system. You know, Charlie, this is an aside. I thought about this this morning. A lot of agents panic when it comes to hiring and there's some obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. One, They're not practiced at it. That's the main thing. You don't hire people. You don't manage people. You're panicking cause you're not good at it. I understand, but it's a skill that you need to learn. The other thing is they're afraid that if they invest a lot of time in developing this person, but they may just grow to want to be a salesperson themselves, and they'll leave. Well, if you hire the right person, if you, the best assistant is not a natural born salesperson waiting to be trained. That's not the best assistant anyway. But if you really carefully hire somebody who has zero ambition and zero desire to grow in their life, that's just crazy. That just shows a lack of nimbleness on your part in vision because really we all want to work with extraordinary people who are good and committed to what they do and we have to be good and committed as well. I was listening to the Ogmandino book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, and talking about bringing people up. So the truth is, if you are a CEO who has a strong enough vision for your business, it will withstand your assistant moving on to something else. Right. because you still have a business worth educating another assistant about. So those of you who are scared, uh, tune back in in the future for when we have uh, sessions on hiring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So so what are you thinking, managing what is, how much of that time on a
1: percentage basis would you recommend? Well, this is very much open to debate, uh, but we talked about, uh, I started with um, predicting the future, right? if we could say that you really need to spend and this is so 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 debatable so let's say you work a 50 hour week yep. which plenty of us think we all work 70 hour weeks um if you work a 50 hour week and 10 percent of that were spent in lead generation that would be five hours that's oh. only an hour a day right. i would say that's bare minimum but if i say 10 percent, two hours a day 10 hours a week um a lot of you would choke on it and then not do five right so i would I would say somewhere between between ten and fifteen percent is a reasonable amount of lead gen. And if you group that together with all your marketing tasks, really it's about twenty yeah. percent. How does it strike you, Charlie? No, I
0: I was gonna say about fifteen percent. So with marketing tasks, I think, you know, that could that could get you up into 25 percent easily. Sure.
1: Okay, great. So 15 to 20% for all lead gen that includes marketing and you'll work your way up. Like, please don't ever think any of the things that we offer as here, you've got it, you're done. You know, everything is perfect. Everything takes time to grow into. So if we've set aside 20%, that leaves us with 80% of the time left. The truth is if you spend, it could be modest once it's up and running. This is going to change over time. I think when you're brand new and your system is running from your own memory and yep. from your own adrenaline, <laughs> yep. Yep. you need to invest quite a bit of time in crafting a business because now here's the thing. you've got to keep managing what is while you restructure the whole thing and put systems in place. right? So that could easily be an hour a day. That could be five hours a week but I think that you can get to a maintenance place. I think you can get to those two hours a week, perhaps Mm -hmm. because think about this, all the making things better will include um, reviewing your numbers, right? reviewing your processes, reflecting on how things are working, looking at the uh, the tools that you're paying for and whether they're yielding. Right? So that CEO time could easily be two hours a week for you. And then once you have people that's weekly meetings, right? That's overseeing them, that's investing in them. So I think um, for now that you're by yourself and you don't have systems in place, you're going to probably spend quite a bit of time. So I would say five to 10% of your yep. time should be spent on CEO time. How does that sound to you, Charlie? Yeah, I was gonna say 10%. Great, so we're at 10 and 20. So now we've got 70% left for managing what is. The interesting thing about managing what is, Charlie, is so much of what we do day to day could be delegated.
0: Yes, oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so the the, kind of the exciting thing for me about this math, everybody, is we've come to 70% of your time can continue to be spent firefighting, but guess what? If you refine your processes, and provide a smoother experience for the consumer and everyone else involved, that time is just going to shrink on its own. And then if you start delegating to an assistant or a buyer's agent or transaction coordinator or all three, that time will shrink again. So you can, this is how teams grow. Then, by nature you end up with all this more time now you can be like my friend elizabeth and just go write a novel with your spare time or you can double down on your legion and start hiring and that's right. what a lot yep. of that's where a lot of the larger teams grow
0: so what if somebody is watching this and says i'm overwhelmed i don't know where to start yes what are the first two or three things that i should do
1: That's a great point. So I would, okay, this is my little hack for figuring it out. First of all, don't spin. Don't ask your brain to keep up. Don't ask your brain to figure it out. Um, It really, your head is a scary place to be. And that's just real. There's Mm -hmm. way too many processes that we try to hold at once and then triage and problem solve. So write it all down. Simple, simple, simple. On a piece of paper on an electronic document, I don't care, but put it all in one place is my recommendation. Um, If you use something like a spreadsheet or you could have columns, I like having little columns because I'm going to make a couple suggestions. Do your best to triage. Which is the one that is an A priority? Now, here's the rule. (laughs) You can't make them all A's. That just makes it a mess. So do the best that you can to figure out that one, two, or three things that are just on fire right now that are biggest points of pain. Then do some time estimates. Okay. If you have something that's really, really nagging you, but it's going to take you less than two minutes to do it, maybe you've got to call somebody back or just text them the answer to a question. And it's really burdening you do it. Right. That's from David Allen's book, getting things done. So he says less than two minutes. I would say less than five minutes. If you can see that it's going to take you less than five minutes, just get her done, man, start getting those things done. And then the longer term things I like to look at those time estimates and go, huh, it might take me two hours to edit my buyer process. When can I do that? Now the question is, does it fit on your schedule? So is it super important? Will it solve your biggest problem now? Does it fit on your schedule time-wise? And then another column, and I started doing this with all my coaching clients, Charlie, what are the resources available to you? Is there a Mm. person you could ask? Is there a mentor you could call? What resources do you have to accelerate this? You may just say, I have no idea how long it'll take. It's 100% important and I'm completely at a loss. I don't know where to begin. Hopefully that resource is a person, You know, come to us, come to your broker, go to your coach. Uh, hopefully you have resources like that.
0: So what about the agent that says, I'm struggling to manage what I have now, right? I don't even have time to lead generate, right? I have too many buyers in the car and I have too many deals pending.
1: Oh, you know what I have? Okay. The first place I have gone is do you have a TC? Like is a TC available in your market? Um, A lot of people don't know what that is or they may or may not have great resources. I know that in most of our markets, we have really talented people. And I want to clarify something. A TC is not a past client of yours that you have to train. That's not what I'm talking about. Professional transaction coordinators have their own process. You will not train them how to do their job. They won't let you. They really have, you know, it's, you'll, you'll fall in line with them or you'll find someone else. So I would start with paying per file to a TC to get some of the weight off.
0: Agree. And, you know, doing that, you're not committed to somebody in February when maybe you don't have a deal. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, you know, that, that, you know, we, we've been talking about these fires and putting out fires, you know, that's, that, that's another firefighter for you, right? When you're overwhelmed. You're not obligated to give every deal to this person. I think yeah. you should. I think you should, right? But if you don't want to,
1: you're not. You know, you're not obligated. So there's one other. Li- I want to poke a hole in the limi- limiting belief, though, Charlie. Yeah. I want everyone to hear me and believe me later. Hear me now and believe me later. Part of the reason you are completely overwhelmed and your clients are freaked out and you're showing and showing and showing and writing and writing and writing and not getting anything accepted is because you have not done a strategic negotiating session with your client. And I know you don't know what we're talking about and it's going to take a minute, but but like I said, trust me, hear me now and believe me later. You need to educate your client about the list to sell ratio is one. Yes. 10134 percent of asking at the time of contract average days on market is two for your target property. How do you feel about that consumer? Come up with a plan for helping them get the home that they want based on the stats as they are.
0: I had that identical conversation with a coaching client an hour ago. Okay. You know, they want a big haircut on a home that these folks are looking to buy. And I said to the coaching client, I said, so would they take $75,000 less for the house that they're going to sell?
1: Well, of course not. Well, then why are they asking other sellers to do it, right? But here's the thing, guys. If you say, I told them. I I can hear that. I've had this conversation with so many agents, Amy, Amy, I told them, I told them it's competitive. No, that makes you sound like a lazy negotiator. Don't tell them it's competitive. Don't dump it on them to just create some sort of a number above asking. Right. It's time to educate them about their options and ask them how they feel and what they'd like to do and then shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when it comes and you're like, well, we are competing. It sounds like there are multiple multiples. Uh, We've talked about acceleration clauses. We've talked about going over. We've talked about appraisal gap. We've talked about, we've talked about, we've talked about, we've talked about what this house is worth to you. What would you like to offer? Right. Does that sound like a lazy negotiator? No, but don't say Amy, I already told them it's competitive. That doesn't help. Thanks for listening to Real Talks Dominate Your Real Estate Business.